Welcome to the Pups That Play podcast. My name is Karen and I'm a pro dog trainer and fur mom and I will be your host throughout this journey. Together I'm going to be sharing with you training tips, tools, and strategies to help you create a well-mannered, calm, and confident family pet. The best part is we do it all through play. Around here our dogs are part of our family and we want them to live their best lives possible and have it be enjoyable for everyone involved. I am so excited to share today's episode with you, so let's get started. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Pups That Play. So my name is Karen and I'm really excited about today's episode. So today we're going to talk about training in the situation versus training for the situation. And you might be like, what the heck does that even mean? So we're going to dive into this. And basically, this is a good chunk of my whole training philosophy and the way that I approach dog training. So you may or may not know anything about me um, or the way that I like to train my dogs and train my clients' dogs through play, hence the title Pups That Play. We like to play through games. We play through fun um, teaching concepts through games. They're quick, they're easy, short, short sessions are a lot of fun. And another really key concept with this whole training method is that we train for a situation and we don't train in it. And I'm going to explain to you in today's episode what the heck I mean by that and why why this is so, so important, okay? So the first thing I kind of want to introduce to you are the three kind of types of trainers out there, okay? Um, So trainer, if you've ever heard of Absolute Dogs, um, Tom Mitchell and Lauren Langwin, that's where I first heard this concept from and I've really fallen in love with it and I follow it. So I want to introduce it to you guys if you haven't heard of it before. And it's these three types of dog trainers out there, okay? So we'll call trainer ones, the first trainers. They're your more traditional type of dog trainer, okay? This is kind of from back in the day, a lot of the ways that we were taught. I remember the first kind of obedience classes I ever went to with our family dog, uh, Roscoe, years ago. This is how we were taught. They're more traditional and kind of, I don't want to say they're all adversive, but more adversive um, or focusing on the problem and focusing on punishment. Okay, so these are the trainers that are telling you to, if your dog is doing something you don't want them to do, to tell them no, to tell them it's wrong, maybe bop them on the nose. This is where a lot of like choke chains, give them up, tug on the leash, um, you know, shock collars, bark collars, all those kinds of things. Adversive methods, but are also just kind of working in the realm of finding what you don't want and punishing your dog in some sort of way, whether it be physical or even just verbal, to tell them, no, that's wrong. Teaching your dog what's wrong and what you don't want them to do. Okay, that's kind of the trainer number one. And where this, does this work for some dogs? Yes, some people get really, really great results for this kind of training. I, you know, have tried various methods of this in the past. I remember Um, one of the trainers that I was working with years ago, I was having trouble crate training my one dog and she's like, no, you put him in the crate and you close the door. And if he cries or barks, you're going to take a can that you have filled with rocks and you're going to shake it, shake it, make a really loud noise. 
until he stops. Or you can sit there and read a book and just have a stack of stuff beside you and every time that they bark, just throw something at the crate. Yes, that was literally advice <laughs> that I have been given in the past, okay? And you're given this advice and you don't know any better. And you know what? Maybe that works for some dogs, definitely. But it doesn't work for all dogs. It's not going to work for every single dog. And especially if you have a dog who has kind of low confidence, you can really scar them with these kinds of methods. So maybe you've tried these methods and they just have not worked for you. That's okay. Maybe you've tried them and they have worked. Well, that's totally fine too. But that's trainer one, okay? So they're the ones that have kind of more traditional methods. We work kind of more in adverses. We're punishing our dogs for doing what we don't want them to do. Then we have trainer twos, okay? Then we have number two, the second type of method that is kind of out there in the world of dog training, and that is your positive reinforcement training, okay? So I'm sure you've heard about this, and this is, you know, what everybody, and even me, I call myself a positive reinforcement trainer, but there's a fine line between the two next ones that we're going to talk about. Now, these are the people that are out there that they're like, no, we are going to reward what we want. We are going to praise our dogs and we're going to reward them for the good behavior and any bad behavior that they do, we're going to ignore. Okay, so if you're out on a walk and your dog is pulling, you're going to ignore that. But then if they walk nicely by your side, you're going to praise and reward them. And it's it's it caught on very, very quickly and became a huge movement because this is what we want our dogs to do, right? We want to have a positive relationship with them. We want to show them what's right. We want to reward the behavior that we want to see. And then it'll technically, you think about it, it'll grow and grow and grow. And it'll be the behavior that we see more and more of. Okay. And that is good. This is, this is a very good way to train. And there's a lot of success out there with positive reinforcement training. But there's still sometimes that it doesn't work. Okay, because a lot of it, a lot of positive reinforcement training is with that concept behind it of we're going to reward what we want and we're going to ignore what we don't want. So a lot of that is putting the dog in the situation, okay, and then rewarding the good behavior and ignoring the bad behavior. So if you have a dog that is, for example, leash reactive and you take them for a walk, So if they're barking and lunging at that dog that they see across the road, you're supposed to just ignore it, ignore it, ignore it. But the minute they turn back to you or look at you or stop barking, you're supposed to praise and reward. What happens when that doesn't happen? What happens when you're in a situation and you look at your dog and you're like, all they're doing is stuff that I don't like. (laughs) There's nothing good here. There's nothing here I want to reward. Or if I try to reward them in this situation, they don't even want it. They're not looking at me. They're not, they're not taking the food or the treat. They don't care that I'm praising them. Like it's just, this isn't working. What the heck? What am I supposed to do? And there are situations like that. And I've been in that situation too, especially with my Sheltie that I used to have. He was a very timid dog and we would get in situations where he would get quite scared and I couldn't reward him. There was no rewarding because he didn't want the food. He didn't want the prey. He didn't want any of it. The only thing he wanted was to get the heck out of there. And I want to point that out real quick is sometimes removing them from a situation is reward. Sometimes that is rewarding to the dog. So that's okay. So this is where I want to introduce trainer three, which is what I consider myself and what more and more people are kind of becoming. And it's a different way. And this is a concept-based trainer, okay, where we look at a dog 
and we look at the the problems or the behaviors that they're showing us because all of their behaviors are it's just good information okay our dog out on a leash barking and lunging at somebody or our dog not coming back when they're called or anything like that that's not them behaving badly because they want to because they're spiteful or they think ha 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 I'm gonna do something bad it's just a natural behavior and it's them communicating to us like for example hey I'm not gonna come back to you when you're calling me because I find running with these dogs or chasing that deer way more rewarding than coming back to you just a piece of information that we can take or the dog reacting to the other dog on the leash that's them telling us hey that dog over there it's making me nervous. I don't know how to react to that. I'm going to bark. I'm going to lunge. Either in their mind, if they're scared of it, they're going to do that because the dog then goes away. And they're like, oh, that was rewarding. The thing I was scared of went away after I barked at it. So I'm going to keep barking at it every time I see it. And then that becomes a behavior that we see more and more and more of, right? So all of these times that we put these dogs in these situations for these behaviors that we don't want... They're not always learning in that situation. So what we do as trainer threes, as concept trainers, is we look at the dog, we take the information in, we go, okay, my dog really struggles with this. They really struggle with disengaging from chasing that deer and coming back to me when I call. Or they really struggle with being out on a walk and seeing another dog. Or it even can be something as simple as just going for a walk and your dog pulls because they want to go and sniff every little bush and stick and whatever it is out there. And you go, I don't want them to rip my arm off while I walk. I want them to walk nicely beside me. So the information we get from that is they find the world out there more rewarding and more engaging than, you know, just walking calmly beside us. So... We take the information, we find the concepts that they struggle with. So there's so many different concepts. There is confidence, there is optimism, whether your dog finds new things in the environment good or scary. There is novelty, how does your dog deal with new things? There is proximity, so do they have value for being in proximity to us, close to us? There is um, disengagement, the concept of disengagement. So can they disengage from that other dog? Can they disengage from chasing that deer to come back and focus on you? There are, there's got to be at least 20, there's quite a few, quite a few concepts. And that's something we can definitely deep dive into on another day. But what we do is we identify these concepts and then we grow them through games. There are fun, quick games that you can play with your dog not in that situation out of the situation so you're not going to teach your dog how to disengage from the deer while it's chasing the deer because if your dog doesn't have that skill they don't have that concept that it's not going to happen they're just going to keep chasing that deer and that's going to be frustrating for you and rewarding for the dog which just builds the behavior more of them chasing the deer So we're going to build the concepts of disengagement so they can disengage for it. We're going to build the concept of proximity so they want to stay close into you. They want to come into you, that kind of stuff, through games at home, in your living room, or in your backyard, or somewhere way nowhere near a deer. (laughs) And you're going to teach those concepts. You're going to build those skills with your dog out of that situation so that way when you slowly start to reintroduce the world to them and re get near and near closer and closer to that situation, 
you eventually get to a point where you've built such a good skill of disengagement or proximity or whatever it is that when your dog sees that deer, they disengage from it. They come back into you. You have a party because yay, your dog just recalled off a deer. How amazing was that? And you never once had to work with your dog around deer. <laughs> or again, another, it's, it's amazing for any type of socialization because, you know, especially if you got a new dog during COVID or anything like that, you have this dog maybe that wasn't exposed to very much. They didn't get out there into the world. They weren't able to socialize with a lot of other people, a lot of other dogs, that kind of thing. Or maybe you live in an area where you just, you know, you there's not a place to take them to see a ton of different dogs or anything like that. Or you don't want to put them in that situation. Half the time, it's not actually good to put them in that situation. But you still want a dog that you can take out into the world and have them be totally calm and relaxed around dogs, around kids, around people. How do you do that without actually Putting them with dogs and kids and people by building skills of like confidence, by building optimism, by getting them used to novelty. So if you can teach them at home through fun games how to be okay with new and weird things and then you're able to take them out for a walk and they get introduced to some weird thing like a kite rolling by in the park or, you know, some very loud dump truck drives by or anything like that. If you've built the skills at home of them being confident and optimistic and good with novel things, they are going to totally rock it being around all of these things that they've never been exposed to. And that is a dog that you can take anywhere with confidence, which is something we all want, right? So that is what I do. And that is the world that I work in, is the world of concept training through games, okay? And I want to point out here like positive reinforcement. We still are technically positive reinforcement trainers because we are reward based trainers. We reward the behavior as we're working with them. Rewards can be praise, rewards can be food, rewards can be toys, rewards can be activities. If you're not sure what rewards are in training, I actually did an episode on that where I deep dive into that. You can check that one out. But training for the situation is where you're going to find the most, like the best success. Because if you think about it, when you're putting your dog into these situations, so let's say your dog is a little bit nervous around kids. Okay, it happens. Kids are crazy. They're usually, they're very noisy. They make a lot of sudden movements. They're kind of all over the place. Like kids are very interesting to dogs and your dog is either going to love it or they're going to be not sure. And a lot of dogs are very unsure around kids. And that's to be expected, but it's not something we want, right? Like we don't ever want to have a dog that is nervous around kids. We don't want a dog that you're not sure what they're gonna do around kids, right? Especially if you have kids or you're and you have other kids coming over, or maybe you're walking to pick up your kids from school and you have your dog and like the bell rings and all of a sudden all these kids come flooding out of the school. That can be really, really upsetting for some dogs and it can also be really really overstimulating for some dogs so if we look at training in the situation like what's a what's a classical way someone might recommend that you work with a dog to get them used to kids oh well let's show them that kids mean good things that kids are a lot of fun let's take the dog and we'll go outside the school and we will 
feed them every single time a kid comes by or we'll have the kids feed them or like, yeah, like, you know, every time you see a kid, oh, you get a good treat. This is good. If your dog is already kind of fearful or stressed out or even overly excited in those situations and then you're putting them in that. So let's say your dog is nervous around kids or even your dog is very excited about kids. And that's like one or two kids. And then you take them and you're like, well, there's tons of kids here. So this is great. They'll get so much exposure and I'll just reward them the whole time to show them that this is a really, really good thing. So you take your dog, you take your treats, you go outside, the bell rings, and you're trying to feed that dog. If your dog's really stressed out about it, there's a good chance that your dog's not going to take that food. Or if they're really stressed or really overexcited or anything like that, their arousal level is going to be so high that they're not actually taking any of it in. They're not learning. So dogs learn on, there's like a scale Okay, and there's like a sweet spot when it comes to training. So if we have a scale of say zero to 10 and zero is like they're asleep, they are asleep, they're not moving, they're not, they're like arousal level is like just nothing. Okay, and then 10 is like they're insane, like just insanely, either insanely excited or insanely fearful or insanely like whatever it is on the other end. They're just like, they're barking, they're lunging, they're jumping, they're freaking out. Like they're, they're just, they're gone. Their brains are like shut off at that point. You cannot train a dog at a 10. You just can't. Their brains, they're not taking any of it in. You also can't train a dog at a zero, right? If your dog's asleep or just like totally not interested in what you're doing, you're not going to be able to train them at that too. So there, every dog has a sweet spot in the middle somewhere. It might be right around that middle point of a five, maybe. It might be closer to the higher arousal level if you have kind of a more naturally stoic dog or a very chill dog. You might have to get their energy levels up a little bit to really engage them in training. Or if you have a really high energy dog, you might have to work lower like a three or a four might be their sweet spot because you want to get them thinking and focused, but any bit too much up the scale they, they start to get out of that, right? Every dog is going to have their own sweet spot, but it's usually somewhere in the middle where they are alert, they're focused on you and the environment and what you're doing, but they're not too far gone. They're not too over aroused. They're not too fearful or too worried or too excited. They're in the middle. So if you're training a dog in a situation nine times out of 10, they're too high on that scale. They're not taking in that information because they, they're too stressed. They're too stressed or they're too excited or they're too scared. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter which one of those situations it is. They're already too far gone. They're not taking it in. Or you risk that your dog is going to then do the behavior that you don't want. So maybe you're taking your dog there and you want them to be calm around kids and your dog's stressed out and what if they try to nip at a kid? which is a situation we don't want. But this can be any situation. This can go back to, you know, your dog with a deer, right? And you take your dog and you're trying to teach them to come back to you when called. And there's a deer, they could take off and chase after that deer. If they're not, if they're too high up the scale, they're too focused on that thing out there. And then they're going to start rehearsing the behavior we don't want. Well, you can ignore it all you want, but the more that your dog does the thing that you don't want them to do, the more natural that behavior comes to them. The more reinforced, it is naturally reinforcing to your dog. They are self-reinforcing it. 
okay? Your dog is scared of kids and they nip at it and then that kid goes away or you remove them from the kid. That is rewarding because they're like, oh yes, I, that kid freaked me out. So I did this thing, nip or bark or whatever it is. And then that kid went away. Perfect. That's great. I'm going to do that every single time, right? And that's not what we want. Or back to the deer. Your dog sees that deer and they want to chase after them and they chase after it. And like, whoa, that was amazing. I got to run. I got to chase after it. My instincts kicked in. Woohoo. I want to do it again and again and again and again. And these are the behaviors we don't want. So it's very important to stop the rehearsal of these behaviors. And that can be very, very difficult when you're putting your dog in that situation, when you're putting them there, when you're taking that reactive dog on a walk and you're hoping that you can get them to focus on you while you walk by that other dog. But there's a good chance that they're going to react anyway and then that's reinforcing for them because they do it and it becomes the behavior that they just naturally turn to. So what we do is we identify the concepts. What are they struggling with? What do they need to know how to do? How can we reshape their behavior in these situations without actually being in the situation. And you totally can do that through concept training and through training with games. Because you identify the building blocks that your dog struggle with, with the skills that they don't have that's making them struggle coping in that situation. And then you can build them through games at home build the skill, build the skill, build the skill, not in the situation. So they're not rehearsing the behavior they don't want. They're not too high up that arousal scale. They'll be able to focus. The training is fun for them. It's fun for us. This is great. You build the skills until you get to the point where you can then go in that situation and have the outcome that you want, right? Have the dog sit calmly while all the kids are running around and they're just calmly focusing on you. They're disengaged from all the kids. They're calm. They're confident. They're optimistic. It's totally fine. Or have the dog where you go on the walk and they see the deer and they recall off of it. Or they don't even chase after it because they're just so focused on you and love being around you. That is possible. It's totally possible. So that is what training for the situation is versus training in this situation. And that is what I do here. That is what concept training is. That is what training through games is. So to recap, we covered the three different types of training, three different types of trainers. Number one, you're kind of old school, adversive based, kind of just punish what you don't want. You know, tell them what they're doing wrong. Make sure they don't do it anymore. We have number two, your positive reinforcement. Ignore the behavior that you don't want, but reward the behavior that you do want. A lot of the times that means training them in the situation, right? Where we're putting them in those situations and rewarding them, showing them that it's good. This is a good thing. You don't need to be scared about it. But it can be very difficult for some dogs to, to work through because if you're in the situation, it's too high arousal, too scary, too whatever, and they have the opportunity to rehearse the behaviors that we don't want, which is something we don't want. And then we have three, which is what we do here at Pups at Play, which is your concept-based training and training for the situation, not in the situation. We identify the areas where our dogs struggle. We identify those, and then we work on those skills. We work on building up those concepts at home, in calm environments where our dogs are focused on us in fun, quick games 
till they build up those skills and then they are able to go back out into those situations and perform the way we want them to, to do those skills that we want them to have. And then you have a happy life. <laughs> you have a dog that you can enjoy and a dog that you can take places and a dog that you can fully live life with without those stresses. So let me know what you thought of today's episode. You can find me on Facebook at Prairie Pups. You can find me on Instagram at Prairie underscore Pups. Or you can reach out to me at any time, info at prairiepups.com. My name is Karen. Thank you again so much for joining me in today's episode. And I will see you in the next one.